fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about exploiting a teenager's suicide with my friend Caitlin. Oh, not great. No, it's not great at all. But we'll get into it. How are you? Before before we get depressed, Caitlin, how are you? I'm okay. So I guess we have a bit of delay because my dog wasn't feeling the greatest the other day. Still don't know what's wrong with him. Um, but it was quite an expensive vet bill. So I don't know how he's going to pay me back for that. Work. Go to work, Leo. <laughs> get a job. <laughs> And I like have to teach him tricks and put him on the streets doing a bunch of tricks and put the hat out to collect some payment. Your dog becomes a busker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so weird dealing with animals and even like babies because like you you could tell something's wrong with them, but it's not like you can just like ask them where the pain is or something. I find that very frustrating. Yeah. No, it is frustrating. I think the more frustrating part is because it, you can't specify, the vet just runs like every test possible and charges you an arm and leg just to just to find out that there might be nothing wrong with your dog. Yeah. We we had a our first cat that my wife and I adopted. It had some it, it's basically like the the feline equivalent of HIV and uh died really young. But like we knew something was wrong with him and we sent him in for tests and stuff. And like it cost us like several thousand dollars just to find out that it was this HIV thing and he was going to die no matter what we did. Uh, yeah, it's kind of brutal. Yeah. But then we got our, our new cat afterwards and she's lovely. So it's all <laughs> everything works out in the end, I guess. Yeah. I did want to say in... Uh, Given the content of the show uh, later on, we do talk a bit about suicide, as was uh, signaled in the <laughs> introduction. And so if this is a topic that uh, bothers some people, I just wanted to flag that up front. We don't go into any detail uh, beyond uh, the family's struggle and Ezra's stupidity and trying to exploit it. But uh, I just wanted to flag that up front in case that was a topic that people didn't want to hear about. Uh, so... Consider yourself warned. And with that, I guess we'll go into the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on the Rebel from February 22nd to February 26th. Ezra is mad that some liberal MPs abstain from calling what is happening to the Uyghurs in China a genocide. He is specifically mad that Trudeau has called Canada's treatment of indigenous peoples in Canada a genocide, but won't say the same thing about the Uyghurs. Guest on Ezra's show, Spencer Fernando, says that Trudeau is obviously pro-China and anti-Western because he inherited it from his father, who was pro-China and pro-communism. You know, if you look back at Trudeau's history, um, his father was very much obviously pro-communist and pro-China, a big fan of dictatorships, communist dictatorships. Uh, so I think that uh, a lot of that was instilled in Trudeau from a young age. And I think he really can't break out of it. I think that's still his mindset. I think at his core, he's much more of a um, you know, pro-dictatorship or pro 
China than he is pro-Western civilization, for example, you know, pro-Canada, uh, the Anglosphere, the US, the UK, that history. I would not call Pierre Trudeau pro-communist, but I wish Justin did inherit communism from his real dad, Fidel Castro. <laughs> Ezra ends the discussion saying most people don't understand what is happening to the Uyghurs because the name Uyghur is a weird word. I care about this issue because I'm very interested in China and I, I see them as a global rival to the West. But I think some folks don't know what the word Uyghur mean. It's a strange sounding word. It looks strange when you read it. Ezra claims he has documents to prove that Theresa Tan, the public health officer of Canada, has dual loyalties to both Canada and China. Ezra realizes that this sounds kind of racist, but he assures his audience that he has proof. Ezra receives documents from an access to information request showing that Tam attended a confidential meeting at the World Health Organization near the beginning of the pandemic. It is not surprising that WHO holds confidential meetings since it is hard to balance the needs for a global health strategy with nations and their competing interests. But Ezra's claim that Tam has dual loyalties is because the WHO, according to him, is controlled by China. Hello, my friends. Today, I take you through some confidential documents released to us through Access to Information, showing Theresa Tam swearing an oath of confidentiality and loyalty to China's World Health Organization. It's incredible. She promised to keep their secrets from us. So Ezra's claim that he's not racist relies on a conspiracy theory that China is secretly in control of the WHO. Sheila Gunn-Reed visits Grace Life Church this past Sunday, whose pastor has been in jail for a week after defying COVID regulations. Sheila claims on Sunday the church was at capacity and they had to turn people away due to the fire code. The service, by the way, was at capacity. They had the auditorium full, the overflow was full. They reached fire code, which is an actual safety issue and not like COVID. Which she claims is good because unlike COVID restrictions, fire codes are actually for people's safety. For all their talk that COVID restrictions go against their charter rights, they seem perfectly fine with the idea that fire codes can impede aspects of their ability to freely assemble. At the bottom, it all comes back to simply denying that there is a public health concern regarding COVID. Sheila ends her coverage by saying that Christians won't obey these COVID laws because eternity matters more than our societal laws. Sometimes they do find themselves in opposition to the government and they know it's very black and white. It's not something they even have to give all that much thought to. They know their obedience is to God because while you can put them in earth, earthly shackles, the idea of Shackles for all eternity is a little bit more frightening for people of faith. Mm -hmm. Which is basically a justification for religious extremist violence. Ezra and David. What is this? Are you guys kidding me? Have a rambling conversation about COVID restrictions. At first, they both praise Chris Guy, an anti-mask activist in Toronto who has also dabbled in anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. They cannot stop you. They cannot force you. You are a citizen. You have rights. If you want to wait in the line for two hours, let them push up your nose. Go right ahead. But if you have a brain and you have balls, just say no. That is the incomparable Chris Sky. There's only one guy like him. And he's got a lot of chutzpah. If you look that word up in the dictionary, uh, it's, it's tough to say chutzpah, but you don't need any words. You can, it's Chris. Uh, you've become a regular uh, chatter with Chris because he's got a lot to say. He's actually 
I mean, he's got a very brash and uh, uh, unusual presentation, the tattoos, the open shirt, it's in the fitness, um, and the lovely Miss Jenny who often accompanies him. But if you put aside the audacious uh, uh, presentation, he actually has a lot of thoughtful things to say. I'm impressed with his critique of the lockdown. He's a thinking man. Yeah, I think, Ezra, with Chris, it, it, you're getting the steak and the sizzle combined, yeah. right? He has also appeared on podcasts with David Icke, famous for thinking a cabal of lizard people control world politics. And Chris also blames the lockdowns on globalists. At that point, you have to start to realize that there's something else going on here. Yeah, it's called control yeah. of the You have to people. admit it. And who's in control right now? The government. Who controls the government right now? We don't have to answer that if you don't want to, but like. <laughs> we got the globalists in charge of the government. Reflecting on why people support lockdowns, Ezra says that people are into S and M, while the menzoid admits to reading some of Fifty Shades of Grey, hmm. saying that he couldn't get into it for how terrible the writing was. <laughs> when I first heard what S and M was, I thought, who would enjoy? being abused. That can't be a thing. I mean, it's cruel enough to inflict pain, but what kind of person would actually say, I want that? Yeah. But now I see that most Ontarians, Ontario's the worst, but Quebec too, they love being abused by politicians. And I, I don't like that one. I, I'm embarrassed for people who say, I love the lockdown. You know, um, you've given me some insight, Ezra, right now as to why Fifty Shades of Grey is such a multi-bestseller. Uh, it's terribly written. I mean, I, I didn't get past a few pages. <laughs> That's the week. <laughs> why would he admit to that? <laughs> Just don't get it. So all the people, all the people in the world who support the lockdown are into uh, s and <laughs> that's his argument what you don't buy it yeah it's interesting <laughs> i read actually a news article saying that uh people reported having less sex in in the pandemic than ever before so they always do this things like uh that tam wants to do like kinky stuff which is why she tweeted that we all need to wear masks during sex or whatever it never ends There was two main topics I wanted to cover uh, this week in a little bit more detail. They're a little bit more dense. Uh, well, at least the first story is a bit more dense. So hopefully we can get through it and uh, have some fun with it. But basically, Ezra is reacting to an article that's in the Toronto Star. And the article in the Toronto Star is talking about a survey that was conducted by Edelman Canada regarding trust in institutions. The focus of the Toronto Star piece was about how the spread of misinformation has an effect on people trusting traditional media sources. Ezra's main takeaway is that the Toronto Star is blaming the like, quote unquote little people or the commoners for not trusting them rather than blaming themselves for lying to the people, which is what Ezra thinks is the problem, especially that they're lying to the public about COVID. Ezra reads from the Toronto Star article which states that trust in business, government, and media have been consistently low. And Ezra says this shows that people have lost faith in, faith in the government and media, which 
completely ignores the fact that the survey also mentions that trust in business is low as well. It's just like slightly convenient that that's the one of the three that Ezra leaves off. <laughs> Even though, so he like reads it out loud, but then when he repeats it back and go, look, people have just lost face in the government and uh, media, but ignores business, even though it was included. In Canada, trust in business rose to 61% in May 2020, but has since declined to 56%. Trust in government shot to 70% in May from 50% and has since declined to 59%. And trust in the media sits at 54% down from 58% last spring. So at the beginning of the pandemic, people looked to the institutions, to the government and the media for help, and they realized that the government and the media were of no help and couldn't be trusted and were pretty much just in it themselves. So they did like one survey in January. They checked back in, I think, around May, and then they came back again this January, right? So from January 2020 to January 2021. And the final results show that like currently uh, people trust business about uh, or yeah, 56% of people trust business, 59% of people trust government, and 54% of people trust media, which are really close. Like they're all really close. A couple percentage points here and there is not like, like there's no like huge discrepancy here. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the number of people you have in the sample that, that was surveyed. So if you have quite a large sample, that would be an actual drastic change. You have to think about the number of people that would be, right? But if your sample, which I'm guessing is pretty low since it's a Toronto Star article, um, it's probably not a lot of people, so this change is probably not that meaningful. So it says they surveyed 33,000 people, which I don't know uh, in terms of power and whatnot, whether or not that number is sufficient enough. But like, I think it is 33,000 people is a lot of people. In that sense, like there could be a statistical significance in the differences here, but they are relatively close. I mean, when you get like 56% of people trust business and 54% trust media. Like how much, even in like the subjective feeling of trust, is that 2% really all that meaningful, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but again, like I said, it really matters. It it matters about the sample that you're, you're conducting it on. Because if like 2% of, if you took the whole Canadian population and took 2% of that, that's quite a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but if you're just having 33,000 and we're just looking at Canada and only 5,000 people are out of that 33,000, that 2% is pretty much not very significant of a, not even significant in statistical significance. I mean, like, it's it doesn't have a lot of meaning to it. Well, it could be like sampling error and stuff like that, where it's like, if you were to like sample another 33,000 people, those numbers might be closer or switched or like, you know what I mean? There's like variance there. And this is why academics are important. Yeah. <laughs> right? that's, that's why like we shouldn't just use new sources to get this information from. There's studies on this stuff. So yeah, well, credit where credit's due. Ezra does go back to the original study uh, eventually. It still doesn't help him, and he gets a lot wrong, and we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. But Ezra's still on the article. So the article is basically written from the perspective of the author of the star piece is interviewing the uh, CEO of Edelman, who put out this study. And Ezra criticizes the star article for blaming the lack of trust in media specifically on Donald Trump, 
Think back on the last year. Donald Trump was a serial liar who made a campaign against the media a centerpiece of his presidency, denouncing news outlets as fake news and an enemy of the people. There were the endless lies around the outcome of the U.S. election, and we've seen the science and public health advice around COVID-19 falsely called into question. So Trump was a liar. Not Trudeau, not Theresa Tam, not Patty Haidu, not Doug Ford or John Tory or whoever. It was that evil Donald Trump. He's the only liar, and he's the reason Canadians don't trust Canadian media. Hey, guys, you're doing it again. You're doing the thing that makes people not trust you anymore. You're lying and exaggerating and running partisan errands for Trudeau again. And it is true that there was a section of the Toronto Star article where the journalist poses the question to Edelman and sort of like frames it in this, well, look, uh, Donald Trump is running around calling journalists fake news and stuff like this. And so you would think that that would have an effect or, or something like that. But... Edelman's, uh, the CEO of Edelman, their response was that the low trust in media is probably likely due to the closing of local newspapers rather than the Trump phenomenon. So it's more of a long term phenomenon rather than what's currently happening with Donald Trump. And that sort of makes sense to me, because if you if you look at like the beginning of the pandemic to like now, media was at 53% last January, and it's at 54% now. And it only increased a little like on in between, like in May. So it's like, Trump isn't like, <laughs> this last year was a was a wild year with Trump, you know, and even his like, it didn't even impact the level to which the the self reported people uh, reported their distrust in media. Mm. But again, Ezra is so selective that he focuses, he hyper focuses on this part talking about Trump and completely ignores the actual sort of like response given by the person who conducted the survey. Ezra then offers his own reasons for why people don't trust the media. He goes first, the media lies about COVID. And as proof about this, <laughs> he shows the, the tweet from Teresa Tam about wearing a mask during sex. I mean, according to the star and this study, uh, listening to Theresa Tam tell you to have a mask on during sex, that's good personal hygiene and good information hard hygiene. That's being super smart. Thinking she's a kook, though, that's misinformation. Which, again, was about random hookups during COVID and was possibly good advice. Like, if you're going to have casual sex with people that you have not been like making like you haven't uh, resided with each other for two weeks to make sure that you're both not infected it might be good that you wear a, a mask during intercourse in that case right they of course take it as like some kinky snm shit which we hit back in our <laughs> in our imperial roundup segment right and like who gives a shit even if it was yeah <laughs> why are we shaming that who gives a shit yeah if you like wearing masks wear masks who cares this is why I think Ezra is just one of those people that try to be like super serious and conservative, but they're probably secretly all into this stuff. It seeps through. Dave picked up Fifty Shades of Grey. So <laughs> now granted, he put it down because he thought the writing was terrible, but something piqued his interest in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's something. He's just saying that to like distance himself away from it. He definitely loved it. <laughs> 
He definitely saw the movies in the theaters too and enjoyed every minute of it. What is this? Are you guys kidding me? You know what? You know, maybe that's why he's conservative, but he needs to like break out. Embrace it, David. Embrace who you truly are. Yeah, there's no shame. It's also funny that to prove that the media is lying about COVID, Ezra offers an example which is not a lie about COVID, and which is a statement Ezra continues to purposefully take out of context and basically lie about. So there's that. <laughs> uh, so that was the first uh, The first thing was the, they, the media lies about COVID. The second reason why people don't trust the media, according to Ezra, is that he claims the Toronto Star specifically is a socialist newspaper. Hey, can I give you a reminder about who the Toronto Star is? Toronto Star, Canada's largest circulation newspaper, is officially socialist in its orientation. It's hardwired right into its corporate constitution, actually. Uh, they call it their Atkinson Principles, named after their socialist publisher from about a century ago. You can find these Atkinson Principles very quickly on their website. They're proud of it. Ah, you don't say. <laughs> and his evidence for this is that one of the earliest editors of the Star, named Joseph Atkinson, was a proponent of social welfare policies. Now, I'm just curious, because you're, you're a sociologist. Like, do you think proponents of social welfare policies are necessarily socialists? Not at all. No. Not even close. <laughs> now, I could not tell whether Joseph Atkinson, in my very brief research into him, indeed was considering social welfare policies from a socialist perspective, but it is more likely, I think, that he was a proponent of Keynesian economics, which was like popular back when he was uh, the editor of the Toronto Star. And Keynesian economics is capitalist. It's not socialist. So, Yeah, it's working within a system to bring some safety nets and support to people, but it doesn't actually eradicate the, the economy and its structure in itself. Exactly. I mean, even if you look like at FDR back then and all those policies, like all they did was like, in some sense, put a Band-Aid over capitalism. Yeah. And I will say, I, pr I prefer the Band-Aid over capitalism than not having the Band-Aid, you know, if you were to ask me. But like at some point, I'm just like, why don't we get rid of the thing that's causing us to need a Band-Aid in the first place? But uh, that's just uh, you and I in our radical politics, I guess. Yeah, it's radical to believe that people shouldn't starve super radical everyone gets nice. food <laughs> but even if atkinson was a socialist he was editor of the toronto star from 1899 to 1948 and my guess is that a lot of things have changed since then <laughs> like I've, I've seen the toronto star with articles recently like blaming people for receiving the serb money and questioning like uh should we be giving out the Serb? Like, shouldn't we have people earn it? And like, very, very meritocratic, anti-welfare capitalist shit yeah. coming out of the Toronto Star. Yeah. But because they once had a welfare proponent as their editor, last at time they were the editor was 1948. <laughs> and they're still socialist today, according to Ezra. Which is is kind of like how they think about the Democratic Party as well. Right. So the Republican Party was the party of Lincoln and then things changed. And now they're no longer the party that was against slavery and seemingly a party that probably wouldn't be against it today. My guess, if I had to guess. Yeah. The last reason why people don't trust the media is because he claims 
that the media received bailout money and that apparently is such an issue for people that that's why they don't trust the media. I mean, the star itself takes $110,000 per week, per week from Justin Trudeau. So the thing about that, though, is that when a media company is owned by the government, people can sort of tell that it no longer holds that government to account. At best, it's play fighting, controlled opposition, as the kids say. Which, if you go by what Edelman said, or the Edelman CDO said in the previous point, the bailout money might actually uh, like improve people's trust in media if it helps like uh, revitalize our local news economy. If it does that. I don't know. I haven't studied enough of the bailout to know that it is going to local communities in the way that I would want it to. But it, it could possibly. Yeah, I don't think it is. If done well, it could. But like, frankly, I don't trust anything coming out of the liberal government, if I'm being real. So as you could tell, all three of those reasons are, uh, you would be hard pressed to find me to say that Ezra is right on any of those for why people don't trust the media. Like maybe people that Ezra hangs around, this <laughs> those are the people who don't trust the media. But that gets to our next point. So Ezra then focuses on a part of the survey that's about information hygiene. He focuses on one part in particular where the study says that those who score low on information hygiene are less likely to get vaccinated. And Ezra characterizes this section as saying that people have bad information hygiene because they don't trust vaccines. And Ezra accuses the survey of circular logic, saying they just assume that vaccines are good in the first place and that you are stupid if you don't want to get vaccinated. So it's like a circular reasoning. On page 18, there's a graph that shows that because some people have poor information hygiene, we talked about this, they are less likely to want to be vaccinated. That's their test. And how do you know that they have poor information hygiene? They're using that, oh, you're dirty, you haven't been vaccinated, you have poor information hygiene too. Do you see the trickery here? Well, they know that people who don't want to be vaccinated have poor information because they don't want to be vaccinated. It's, it's a loop. It's a, it's a logical circle. They're dumb because they don't want a vaccine. They don't want a vaccine because they're dumb. A proof is a proof, as Kretchen used to say. It is completely unthinkable. The thought has never crossed their mind. In the media party, all of them, and I, I'd include the star and Edelman in that, that maybe people actually have real reasons not to get the vaccine. And that, in fact, people worried about the vaccines might actually be better informed than those who simply do whatever Theresa Tam or Justin Trudeau says to do. Yeah, but he's doing circular reasoning. Well, I'm, he always does circular reasoning. <laughs> exactly doing that right now well yeah because he well he's gonna say that he's not because he's saying well i don't know if the vaccines are bad they could be bad but maybe they're good i don't know i'm just i'm i'm asking questions as a neutral journalist that's kind of like how he's playing this but this thing the thing about information hygiene was not in the toronto star article and he's picking it out now because now i can tell he's actually reading the survey so he actually did the work he clicked the link in the toronto star article he went to the research and was like oh hey here's a point so i know he read the survey what they did was they surveyed people and asked them various questions and then they gave them a score on information hygiene and so this is what they said for people who have high information hygiene. So they scored the best. They have high engagement with the news, which means they're people who frequently check the news or, or look into the news. They don't stay in information echo chambers. So they 
test out a bunch of news from across uh, different ideological perspectives. They verify the information. So, you know, they want to check whether or not the information is true. And then they do not amplify information that they have not vetted. So they go through the work of, uh, they go through the work of verifying, but then when they realizes, realize that it's bad, they don't just automatically share it on Facebook or Twitter. And they found that people who had good information hygiene were more likely to support vaccination, which is different than saying that people who are against vaccinations are stupid, which is not what the survey is saying, right? The survey is also uh, not taking for granted whether or not vaccination or vaccinations are good. All they take away from this data is that governments should be concerned about information hygiene if they want full compliance with vaccinations, right? It's like framed completely neutrally. It has nothing to do with uh, people's stupidity. It's saying, look, people with low information, hyg- or information hygiene are less likely to support vaccination. So maybe if you want vaccination, you need to care about this. That's all it's saying. After taking the survey to be calling anti-vaccine, anti-mask, anti-lockdown protesters uh, stupid, Ezra claims he trusts the, the... So you'll love this. Ezra says he trusts the anti-maskers over the media and government because when you talk to them, they have a lot to say about these subjects. Therefore, they clearly have a lot of knowledge about them. But my observation is that anti-lockdown activists are actually the opposite. They'll talk your ear off. They read much more than the average person does. Now, I'm not saying that they're all correct. There is misinformation out there, but boy, I would stack the average anti-lockdowner's knowledge about things like PCR tests and false positives and herd immunity and the risks of vaccines. I would stack their knowledge against the knowledge of the mainstream media on those subjects any day. How do you feel about that as an academic? (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) Those who talk a lot just know more. Just how the world works. I'm trying to read this from his perspective, because part of me wants to think that Ezra is not this stupid. But I also think he he's realized he's in a crowd of people. He's now he's now associated his brand with a crowd of people that are the types of people when you show up, they'll just start rattling off like chemical names that are all in the vaccines. Like anyone who's who's interacted with a uh, an anti-vaxxer knows what I'm talking about. Like they'll start, they'll read off all the chemicals and they'll know all these like various effects of them, none of which is true, but they'll have all this information because they go to their echo chamber, their information echo chamber, as highlighted in the Edelman survey. They'll go there and they'll just start reading all of their talking points and start memorizing their talking talking points and it becomes like a cult much in the way that Scientology has its own terminology right like clear Thetan uh OT level eight you know (laughs) this language sounds weird to an outsider yet anyone interior to Scientology knows the language yeah but I'm not even sure if it's like that far it's just people make a bullshit and then they keep going on it and then when you try to to confront the issue they further back up their their position instead of coming closer to your position it's never like when have you ever been in an argument with someone on the internet or something like that because jody you do it all the time i hate doing that i don't know how you put up with that and it's like that person has come even closer or do they talk more shit about their position 
So there's people who are better at worse than this. I think the people who get like popular as a kind of like anti-vaxxer or things like this, they have the talking points they're rhetorically proficient, I'll say, in that they'll always have a response to you. It's not correct. And if you're someone who, like, doesn't understand the science, that can overwhelm you, right? And that's, like, why they, I think, what sort of creates that fast talking, this seeming seeming wealth of knowledge that these people have actually is a rhetorical trait that I think wins certain people over. The problem is, it's like, if you actually investigate what they're saying, it all bottoms out to bullshit, right? Yeah. But if someone can constantly answer your question with seeming confidence and have like a ready answer for you, that can disarm you as uh, someone who who may not have the background knowledge to ac- accurately assess what they're saying to you. And that is that is kind of, it is cult-like behavior, which is why like I framed it that way. You protect your own sort of beliefs by being so knowledgeable on the like the linguistic rhetorical skills of your in group that you it becomes like a shield for anyone who comes to uh i guess disabuse you of your bad beliefs or false beliefs and so it's amazing <laughs> that Esther just puts it out there that he thinks that this is a good thing look why would i trust a doctor when this random person on the street can talk really fast <laughs> Ezra then plays a clip from The weekend, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Caitlin, but protesters in Edmonton were yelling at the media, and he accuses the media of labeling the protesters racist, and he goes, they're not racist. I saw this video from an anti-lockdown protest in Edmonton on the weekend. An anti-lockdowner was being a bit rude towards some media party journalists, and the media party journalists Boy, they complained about it. I mean, I'd say what comes around goes around a bit. The media party called these specific protesters all kinds of names, including specifically calling them racist. But what Ezra fails to mention is that these protesters were carrying tiki torches, which is a throwback to the crowd at Charlottesville who were chanting Jews will not replace us and blood and soil. and, (laughs) And so it's like, of course the media is labeling them are not labeling them racist, but going, hey, that's kind of racist, isn't it? (laughs) Like, that's what I've gotten from most of the media reports, is like, you know, we're not that far off from 2017 when, uh, you know, Nazis were marching with tiki torches in the streets, you know. And even if they weren't uh, doing it for racist reasons, it's a little on the nose, right? Like, generally, I guess, like, if you saw people walking down the streets in a crowd with tiki torches, what is the immediate association that you would make from that? I, I'll be honest, Jody, I would not think Charlottesville. <laughs> I would think of, like, a cartoon of mobs. Like, that's what I would think of. And just silliness. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, like, just because of me, because I cover it so much, it's, uh, and maybe that's the reason why journalists pick up on it, too. It's just, like, those images and that story uh is been blazoned in our brains right well i mean the media of course is going to write it like that because it's the media and that's who they're targeting but um but at the same time a lot of these people are racist (laughs) no they probably are (laughs) yeah like some of them like don't even hide it like some of the leaders in the the anti-mask movement are again going on shows with known anti-semites spouting vaguely anti-semitic talking points so yeah And lastly, to wrap this whole segment up, Ezra confuses this entire issue 
because nothing about this survey was about traditional media. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> the 54% trust was about media generally. And the real breakdown was as follows. You had 55% trust for traditional media, 47% trust for search engines, 32% trust for owned media, and 22% trust for social media. So, people trust traditional media over sources of media like Ezra's. Yeah. <laughs> but Ezra never mentions this in his entire piece. And it's ironic, because two days later, Ezra brings up another survey that shows people are generally supportive of government lockdown policies and mask mandates. And that's what leads into him talking about how they're all just like, into SNM and they just want to be like ruled and all this fun stuff. But if that's true, that contradicts his earlier claim that people lack trust in the media because they're lying about COVID. If most people agree that these lockdowns are a good thing and yet they still distrust the media, then his whole fucking argument here is stupid. <laughs> well, it contradicts itself. Yeah. But I'm curious about the SNM thing. Does he feel like everyone's just having like this huge sexual tension just building up from being in lockdown? I honestly think that he just doesn't understand that culture. So he's equating submissive people with people who are sexually submissive. That's what's happening. So he's saying that people like will roll over when their leader tells them to roll over and that therefore they're submissive. So they must like being beaten in sex acts or something like that that's all that's going on here because he's ezra the next story which is uh about public health officials this one is uh gonna start off kind of light and then get really depressing so again this is the one that i warned at the top of the thing where uh we're gonna talk a little bit about suicide so here is your your second content warning ezra begins this piece by arguing that public health officials are being characterized as the new celebrities or royalty. Okay. Of course, he has to begin by uh, talking about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who he says Prince Harry is his absolute favorite royal. And the only thing he really points to is the fact that he served in the military once. But then, of course, he ends by saying, then, like, you know, Meghan Markle showed up and, like, changed him and ruined uh, his love for Prince Harry. <laughs> Harry used to be my favorite royal, other than the queen. He was the one who served several tours of duty in Afghanistan at real risk. He seemed the most real, the most connected to real people. His grasping wife, Meghan Markle, has pulled him out of the royal family, disparaged the queen, and rented out her husband's royalty to the highest bidder. It's really gross what she's done to him, turned him into. What? Like, I don't know what it is. It's just every time the royalty comes up, he needs to talk about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, and then he needs to shit all over Meghan Markle. That's like his whole... Yeah, because he's racist. Now that's racist. That's a lot more racist than people screaming at the media of Teak Georges. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, racist. It's also sexist, sexist on top of it. Yeah. It's like a complete intersection of race and sex, where literally he's targeting a black woman for coming and changing a man to something that he doesn't like. Yeah. <laughs> and making it seem like she's almost controlling him or something, making him out to be not who he is. Painting her as like this controlling, over overreaching person. And it's worse too, because he didn't even need to bring it up. It was like completely not relevant to the, uh, 
the topic at hand about public health officials being the new celebrities. Like, I think he adds the royalty in just so he can get that dig at Meghan Markle. And then he goes back to talking about public health officials being celebrities. Like, <laughs> like there was no need to do this. But of course, he's a, he's a sexist, racist piece of shit. Yeah. So then we transition from Meghan Markle to another contender in the most vile thing that Ezra has done since we started listening to the show over a year ago. He plays a clip of a rattled BC, so British Columbia, public health official named Bonnie Henry as she talks about people protesting outside of her office. And uh, it really is not acceptable. And what um, I find most disturbing is how it impacts the people I work with and my family and my uh, close contacts and their concerns. So um, that's the most challenging piece right now. Got it. So someone protested outside your office peacefully, but that's not acceptable. Some media disagreed with you, and that's not acceptable. And you have a security system at your house, which you mention to imply that those peaceful protests at your office, that somehow that's a violent threat to you at your home, though you don't actually come right out and say it, because people would immediately ask you, did anyone actually show up? at your house? Was there actually a threat? Did you call the police about it? As if a millionaire public bureaucrat living in Vancouver doesn't already have a security alarm at her house before the pandemic. What a smearer. Ezra claims she needs to suck it up and that this is how we hold unelected government appointees accountable. When did Bonnie Henry ever put herself to the democratic test? How could voters fire her? Well, voters can't. But what citizens can do is protest peacefully outside her office, in the media and social media. But she just said she won't have any of that. She just said all that is not acceptable. Uh, it really is not acceptable. Sorry, sister. You can't rule over us and tell us that we can't even talk back to you. That's not how it works. And I'm all for public protests and all that. But his justification for protesting against them is kind of silly. Like, I think you should be able to protest them regardless. But he, like, thinks that the fact that they're not elected is the reason that you have to protest them. But that ignores the fact that we elect the people who appoint them. So, you know, you could still protest the elected officials <laughs> for appointing that health official. Like, Yeah. He then brings up a single article that was written comparing public health officials to celebrities. So it was just a single, I think it was in the CBC, just one article. And he angrily wonders why journalists have not been covering the PCR tests. Instead, they're covering the celebrity stuff. Eleven reporters worked on that celebrity story about these new rock stars. Eleven. Can we have, I don't know, eleven reporters working on, say, the unreliable nature of the PCR test? But you could just Google PCR tests to find that the coverage for them far, far exceeds any coverage at all of public health officials being celebrities. Yeah. Then, and this is where it gets bleak, Ezra brings up an article about a teenager named Lexi who died by suicide in New Brunswick. Ezra specifically hyperfixates on a moment in the article when Lexi was waiting in the ER, so... She was having a mental health crisis at school, and the school counselor uh, assisted her and took her to the hospital. And so they're waiting in the ER, and 
Lexi's father was not allowed to change places with the counselor in the waiting room for reasons related to COVID-19 restrictions. So Ezra highlights this point and claims that this one moment is why Lexi died. But because of COVID-19 protocols, Dakin and the school employee weren't allowed to trade places. So he said the counselor remained with Lexi and the two waited to see a psychiatrist because of COVID-19 protocols. Got it. So that's what led to her death. The reality is that Lexi's depression was, according to the family, brushed off by the hospital staff as she was sent home without seeing a psychiatrist. She was given a referral that was never followed up on. This was already after they struggled to get her help after she first attempted. Her parents have been very clear that they are coming forward because they believe we need to improve how we deal with mental health issues in this country, including taking it seriously in the first place. And not once have they claimed that she died due to COVID restrictions at the hospital, especially considering that she didn't die immediately after returning home from the ER. The family even took her to visit friends and family in the days following the ER visit and prior to her death. Ezra ends by saying that public health officials, and he includes Bonnie Henry by name, killed Lexi. He says this. That's what led to her death. The COVID-19 protocols, not COVID itself. What are these protocols? That's a fancy way of saying the rules brought in by the political health officers like Bonnie Henry, who don't want anyone to talk back, to protest peacefully, to even criticize them on social media. These public health rock stars, I mean, just ask CTV, right? They put 11 reporters on their celebrity beat. Um, They killed this girl. The public health officers, they, they just did. Even though Bonnie and Lexi live in two different provinces. Somehow Bonnie, in virtue of being a public health official in British Columbia, is responsible for Lexi's death in New Brunswick. Like, I don't know how you get there, but he got there. And then he also jokes that her death will now be labeled a COVID death too, further contributing to the lockdown policies. Isn't this just hilarious? They killed this girl. The public health officers, they, they just did which will probably be racked up as a COVID death and used to justify more lockdowns. And it's worth noting here that Ezra never brings up the death threats that Bonnie Henry has received. Not only that, he didn't bring up any of the shit I just told you about what actually happened to Lexi. There's a video from an anti-lockdown party which shows a guest saying that Bonnie Henry should be either shot or hanged, and that person is currently under investigation right now. Rather than denouncing such calls for violence, Ezra instead blames Bonnie Henry for the death of a teenage girl in another province, likely further exacerbating the extent to which this public health official will receive death threats. It's likely also defamation to blame Bonnie Henry by name for the death of Lexi. There's probably something to say about like not bringing more attention to Ezra through a lawsuit like this, but also... I think everything about this points to the fact that Ezra is a disgusting piece of shit who deserves to be financially buried in lawsuits for the garbage he continues to vomit out into this world. And here's the thing is, I don't know enough about uh, British Columbia to, to assess the extent to which Bonnie Henry has done a good job in her position. But I don't think she should be getting death threats. Yeah. And for him to participate in it as if this is like, this is fun content. That I can levy, and and I will say, for those who think that, oh, like, does he have an effect? Interesting, interesting thing to note. 
I have friends that work for my local MP, and I don't like my local MP. I'm well. I'm sure he's he's a nice dude. I mean, Caitlin and I have had lunch with him. <laughs> he's not a terrible human. We just like completely disagree with him about almost everything in terms of politics. Yeah, but back in the day, and we covered this on our show. This was back at the during the Don Cherry kerfuffle. I want to say. Ezra mentioned Peter Fragiscatos, our MP, on his program. Now, I talked to my friend who worked in that office and was like, just, I was like poking around the edges about like how, how stuff was going on at the office. And she's like, weirdly, we're be- we've been getting a ton of calls from Alberta with people really angry about some of the things that uh, Peter had said on Twitter. <laughs> And it was clear that what was happening was this this huge rush of people calling Peter's office was all because Ezra did his fucking show. Yeah. And I have to think that Ezra putting it out there that Bonnie Henry is responsible for the death of this young girl is going to like increase the likelihood that she will receive death threats. Given uh, what we just covered, I want to say that if anyone needs help, we do have help in our uh, province and in our country through the Canadian Mental Health Association. They have emergency numbers that you can call for uh, support across. uh, You can like access it nationally, but there's also things locally. So we have our own. unit that even has a drop-in center and the drop-in center is available during covid even though there are uh restrictions elsewhere they do take people in fact i had to help a friend uh back at the beginning of the pandemic and we went to our local uh middle cell uh middle sex health uh unit uh crisis center and uh you know i don't know if that is like the deciding fact of why my friend is still alive today but i'm glad that that resource was available and so uh use it if you need to uh and i would encourage you all to reach out to friends if you're struggling for sure so if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com imperial news if you want to stay informed about what we're doing you can also find us on twitter at imperial news with a z we have a private facebook group called imperial news we also have a discord set up and we'll be doing twitch streams every wednesday and friday at 8 p.m you can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to improve your information hygiene by brushing your teeth with newspapers every night before bed. (laughs) Well, you don't like my dad jokes? They're not good enough for you? Yeah. Sorry. Too lame. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields?